Hello and welcome to the Disability Anne podcast by Grey Eye and Disability Arts Online. My name's Joe Turnbull, Assistant Editor of Disability Arts Online, and for this episode I'll be talking to Claire Cunningham about disability and aesthetics. Claire is an internationally acclaimed Scottish performer and choreographer who is currently a factory artist with Tans House NRW in Dusseldorf and associate artist at The Place, London. Claire's work embraces lived experiences of disability and the exploration of specific physicalities, including the use slash misuse of her crutches. As such, she consciously rejects the traditional aesthetics and techniques of contemporary dance. I spoke to Claire shortly before the premiere of her new work, Thank You Very Much, at Manchester International Festival in July 2019. Yeah, aesthetics is a word that I think if you work in the visual arts or in dance, you're probably mm. quite familiar with. Um, but I think to other people outside of those worlds, it can almost be one of those sort of art wanky yeah. terms a little bit. I don't know if you feel that way. Yeah, I was like, oh God, are you going to ask me what the word means? Because I'm like, I don't really know what it was. <laughs> but it is one of these words that we bandy about an awful lot in dance, in the arts, um, in culture, I think particularly. Um, maybe it's one of these words that we forget that we all probably mean very different things but yeah, <laughs> we never absolutely. take the time to even think <laughs> what do you mean when you say aesthetics um, like you know disabled you know um, it's it's one of these words that we, for, we we make a presumption that we're all talking about the same thing absolutely um, I don't know if I've ever doesn't mean that I have a great answer for what I think it is but <laughs> But, um, yeah. It's something to do with... For me, it feels... There's a, there is a relationship to something to do with visual language, mm. generally. I guess, yeah, it becomes manifested in, in visual. In, um, of course, you can have an auditory aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. I think, for me, I think quite often aesthetics become rooted in values. Yeah. And what are the things that we place value in? And and the things that people place value in define what what they regard as aesthetically repellent or aesthetically um, what's the opposite <laughs> desirable yeah. um, you know because I think quite often I every time you know every so often I return to this idea of actually I think what I'm what I what I'm trying in my own weird way to do is redefine what we place value in you know um that yeah the the vertical body is not the most value valued and the things that we haven't noticed that society has dictated you know women with long hair are more aesthetically you know or are more women than women with short hair you know very cheesy example but there, the th- what are the, the uh, they're rooted in the things that that we think are valuable. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Actually, it's about values, and I think there's a bit of a of a fallacy that that there's a scientific element to aesthetics, like mm. the you know the golden ratio and all these sorts of things. And I think it's an absolute nonsense. It's, it's, it reflects values. You're right. What the society values. I think then, it, yeah, it becomes easily backed up by notions of science by there being 
more people like this thing, you know, it becomes about data, but then that just becomes, well, that's it's a sort of self-perpetuating argument, you know. um, Absolutely. Because if, if, you know, this is what people like, if you tell people that that's what people like, then people think they like it, you know, and it just more people then say that they like it, but they don't question what it, what is it that you like about this? It's just that you've kind of been told or conditioned that this is what you should like, this is how things should be, you know. Um, yeah, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there's such a thing as a disability as that? But does a disability? I guess there are ways in which you could. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's more about. Is it more that it's about rather than it being something that's quantifiable? It's more about the the pushback or the rejection of other of more normative bodied um, aesthetically valued things. Yeah, not I don't think there's one thing. No. Yeah, no. I think, but I think, I think there are aesthetics that come from the lived experience of disability but it's it's very you know that but they are they are myriad you know um i think there can be but i don't think it would ever be one thing or or an easily quantifiable thing but but yeah i guess i would say if you look at something like dance then it's about then a, a disability if you qualify it if you use a term like that to, like disability aesthetic might might be something that's questioning uh, this this idea of line that I spoke that I mentioned uh, before this idea with dance and and body and bodies that that a conventional idea of line meaning straight lines meaning straight limbs quite often um, coming from these sorts of ballet you know and verticality being you know um that uh, uh, yeah maybe disability aesthetics challenges those ideas of that being the beautiful aesthetic or mm. cons- what's considered beautiful um that maybe that gets boring after a while um and that you know and there's there's you know also a, you know that's that has been also you know, dramatically questioned by lots of non-disabled choreographers as well, you know, but I think then it there's still um, still within re- you know, retrospectively still within, we realise, still quite a narrow boundary um, or a narrow window of, of bodies, I guess, you know, of um, that you might have choreographers come along and and not make things that only use straight legs and straight, mm. you know. Um, but they're still using bodies that, that fall within a very specific narrow demographic, usually, that are super thin, super young, you know, probably st- only 20-year-olds, um, often historically, if we're talking contemporary dance, mostly white. Um, yeah, the, all of those things, you know, so it's it's still... Yeah, there's lots of that gradually getting challenged. Yeah, you know. I, I mean, as well as the aesthetics of access is a term that's often mm. used, and I think that a different. I think there is a difference between a disability aesthetic and aesthetics of mm. access. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, but that's quite interesting. This idea of 
um, the creative output being influenced actually by making something accessible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Generally to disabled audiences. Yeah. Um, I suppose that difference is whether it's about audiences or whether it's about art, the artists. Um, although, of course, if you're talking about an aesthetics of access, it's kind of feeding into the creative mm. process. Mm. Yeah. But the end point, I guess, is you're thinking more about the audiences when it's an aesthetics of access. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Unless, I guess, unless it's an access that's about how the performers themselves, mm. you know, something that is embedded because of the access needs of the performers themselves. Um, is that something you've worked with previously and worked kind of integrating access elements as a way of influencing the work itself? So far, it's probably from from that side of it in terms of... I think it mostly will manifest through aspects like um, time and energy and things like that, you know... Um, like the the timing or the 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 commitment of energy within a piece might be um, affected by the 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 access needs of myself mm-hmm. or a performer, you know, from that point of view, rather than um, as a performer who myself I I don't have access needs that require captioning or yeah. BSL or don't. I don't specifically need level access myself, but I would always... um, But, yeah, I would now, you know, for many years, always ensure that that was essential in terms of the making of the work and access to the work, Um, which leads lots of curators and programmers and things to presume that I need level access myself, and I tend not to argue with it because it's easier just to be like, yeah, okay. (laughs) then you're more likely to make sure the audience has it if you're worried about me having it Mm -hmm. then well not fine yeah Yeah, Um, that's interesting you've worked quite a lot well you've worked loads internationally I'm just wondering do do you get a sense when you do work internationally that um, sort of the approach to aesthetics generally is wildly different in different countries but also a response to putting a disability aesthetic say on stage Mm. varies Massively, would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, there's still, of course, uh, yeah, there's still a lot of places that they've never seen a disabled artist on stage, really, uh, within certain institutions, for sure, mm. or, um, or certain countries, I guess, where people are not really, may not even have experienced disabled people, except in very, very cliched sort of um, environments. Uh, whether in a hospital or begging or, you know, these sorts of things. Um, so there's still places that I would perform that it's it's very much something that people have never encountered before. It's, yeah, and, and then having to work out how to engage from that place and understand what the situation, as well you can when you're only maybe there for f- three or four days, like how to how to come into that. Um, and be as useful as you can, relatively speaking. Um, and and quite often having to, yeah, I think, understand that the best I can do is do the best thing that I can, which is do the do the show, perform, perform the work. Um, 
rather than you know suddenly think that I can go out and work out how to solve somewhere that being disabled is still completely and utterly you know it's it's all very well for me to be like um disability is part of my identity it's it's part of my culture it's a positive experience but that that doesn't really mean shit if you go somewhere where actually <laughs> being disabled is horrendously difficult mm. and it's very hard to find a positive experience in it so yeah so there's a whole sense of trying to to also check all that privilege as much as you can when you when you go these places and go okay where can I be useful where they are at right now yeah. um, and not suddenly be like oh yeah any disabled person you can find can just make work like this you know that also kind of go this isn't um you know it's not some sort of talent spot thing but um but whether you can sometimes just be a catalyst to kind of shake people out um shake people out of a very very easy lazy argument that they've made of like disabled people can't disabled people would never be capable of making the kind of work that we put on our main stage and it's like oh actually let's just you might you might not like this piece but you cannot dispute that it's it's a it's a well executed and professionally (laughs) um crafted piece of work whether you aesthetically like it or not and and sort of be hopefully part of clearing a bunch of that crap off the table for people um and to go okay this takes this takes decades <laughs> um if you and you have to start now and you have to start at grassroots and you have to um give people access to some arts activities as a start might be one thing or who are the people in the room that are interested who are the people that are are interested in trying to do something here in this country or in this environment mm. and can you just make a space where they can come together three times a year and it, yeah is that yeah is that a start and in every country attitudes to disability are a bit different mm. um and i think in france it's a bit different to the uk but also their so bring it back to aesthetics a little bit i think their approach to aesthetics is also different and so i, I think there's a sense that i've heard or a sort of anecdotal thing i guess that, that i've heard that some for some disabled artists who go to somewhere like France, where they're very interested in an aesthetic mm, sensibility yeah, or something that's absolutely. different aesthetically, then they kind of engage with it yeah. on a different level. And they, they, the, the, the sort of French attitude seems to be, well, I don't care if it's disability-led art. I just care that it's art, and I yeah. care that there's this. It's something that's kind of pushing a boundary mm. in some way. Yeah. Um, Again, this thing of like when I when I'm touring in different places, trying to just be aware of like what the context I'm going into is and being like in some places like in certain places and in certain countries in in Europe yes that sort of perspective of like the the road in to the programmers to the curators to the people who are heads of the cultural funding etc is is by talking about the art is by saying, is this thing of point out something like, if you think you're cutting edge, if you think you're really a contemporary institution, then you should be challenging aesthetics, 
And actually, this is the new work that's challenging conventions of bodies and challenging conventions of capitalist relationships to how our bodies should function in the world, you know, and and you can go in in that way to them. Um, quite often, I think there's there's things of like you get these interesting works in certain places coming out of some of those countries, uh, some of those other countries in Europe, where they do they simply engage with with disability from a this offers something different. This is questioning aesthetics, but they don't often engage politically, yeah. which is really uh, can be really difficult on an you know for another yeah. from another level. Absolutely. Like they don't take responsibility for learning the politics, or it's like oh we've brought in this famous choreographer. They're going to make a piece with some disabled people, and they're really brilliant. You know, you know, conceptual, and and they make really brilliant conceptual work sometimes with disabled people, but the what I sometimes find really problematic is there's no engagement with the politics of life for these people, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think sometimes maybe the problem is we are so much in the other direction in this country at times that we're so we've so engaged with the politics that maybe sometimes the art has not been pushed as as far or or yeah has has yeah actually yeah that I'm not sure we've always there's always been as much ambition or pushing out really you know to get away from like particularly if you look at dance like getting away from the the idea of the right to dance and the right to to explore dance and the right to train that 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 it's also then perpetuating an aesthetic in dance that is completely and utterly informed from a non-disabled body mm. you know all those te- training techniques all your Cunningham technique all your Limon all your all Martha Graham they yeah they have useful things to teach but they're all coming from a, a non-disabled body and an aesthetic and a lot of the contemporary dance aesthetic, much as it was kind of, you know, I'm I'm not pretending to be very savvy about history of modern dance, but it was a rejection against the ballet aesthetics. But at the same time, it's kind of also then become the thing it was. Yeah, it's stagnating. It was pushing it? to yeah. question. It's become, you know, I I I jokingly always call it traditional contemporary dance because it's become traditional to me. For me, it's traditional. Oh, you mean traditional? You know um, that it absolutely—it's all pathways and you know um, ways of moving that are so informed by a non-disabled body: two legs, two arms, straight lines. Mm-hmm. A very, a very conventional. If we're going to talk as well about values shaping aesthetics very conventional notions of relationship to athleticism and fitness and what that looks like and what that is. You know, I mean, every every dance poster being somebody jumping. You know, if it's not somebody getting their leg as high as they can go, it's somebody leaping and jumping, you know. And, and yeah, the artists that I'm more excited by are the ones that are challenging those conventional aesthetics of 
what dance should be, the leaping and jumping and, you know, f- what what's fast and what's line and... Do you think we've got a long way to go in pushing that a different aesthetic? Do you think we're just starting? I think, I think in so dance, yeah, I think there's more... I think it's getting better, but I think... I think the more that independent artists can be supported, I think, to kind of keep pushing into that... Um, I think then, yeah, I would like to. I would like to see more people being supported to kind of push into that better. Mm. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's partly about you know, also you know what you said earlier. It's like as well. You know, much as I love, you know, I'm not going to complain about being commissioned and supported. But yeah, that that it isn't just all funneled towards one or two people that people then start to be like, oh, yeah, they're doing it. It's like, actually, we need to f- we need to be spreading that um, opportunity around a lot you, more. I, I can sense, but do you feel a, a sort of weight of responsibility from the fact that you are often the name that's, you know, you're one of the few people who would consider has an established c- career yeah. as a disabled artist in, in, in that scene, certainly as a solo artist. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, it's quite difficult as well, though. Yeah, I do feel a huge amount of responsibility, and I take the responsibility very seriously. Yeah. Um, that's also, I think, the thing that isn't always talked about. I think beyond in in sort of maybe disability community is is that is that responsibility and the weight of that and the the work of that responsibility that to different degrees many of us are experiencing of you know that it's my job to make my work it's my job to to make it the best I can (laughs) so that it doesn't reflect badly on others um on other disabled makers or that um but also that yeah if I go places then then I'm expected to speak from that perspective, particularly if I go places where um, the opportunities for disabled artists are still developing, you know, that I'm expected to teach and teach workshops if I go. um, And I'm not complaining about it. I take that responsibility and I think I choose also to... I choose to take it as well, you know, Um, but I think there's something un- maybe unacknowledged in the wider arts community about how much extra work that is for people. Like, you know, I don't... Yeah, and the, and, and the responsibility of, like, yeah, I do, I think, yeah, ev- everything that I put on a stage or every word that I say it about, like, I'm trying to make sure that I don't... I don't do anything that perpetuates... You know the the stereotypes and all the stuff that we've been trying to undo and unpick. Mm. You know, everything that I'm every moment on a stage, I'm trying to work out: oh, is there any way that this does this? Is there any way this could be misread? And I'm constantly having to. I take yeah, I take it really seriously, and and you can't always get it right, you know, mm. but I think. I mean, there was a really simple, simple moment. <laughs> An example, I remember uh, when Jess and I made the duet, which was about three years ago, Jess Curtis and I, 
and we were looking at the photos. We'd had f publicity photos done. And there were some where I was jumping because it was one of the moves that I... It's one of the... It, what is, it is part of my vocabulary in the crutches are these sorts of suspension leaps that I do um, with the crutches. And there was a few photos where I'm doing that and then some where when I'm just sitting on Jess's shoulder at one point, you know, we're just sitting down on the ground. Um, we ended up choosing different images for different countries mm. based on where the debate or where it felt that the the progress was at the time. So when we're, we were premiering in the UK and I remember getting really stressed and really upset because actually I get very serious about images. Anything that goes out publicly, I get really quite anal about. <laughs> I'm a bit of a control freak that way. Um, and I remember Jess was just like, these are all great images. I would have any of these are great, you know. And um, and I was really stressed and got quite... I actually started crying because I got very upset um, looking at them going, oh, I don't want these bloody leaping photos again. I don't want to... I don't want to, because we were coming to Unlimited, mm. actually, we were premiering Unlimited, and I felt the responsibility of not putting out the super crip image, yeah. of not the jump it, even though I had been the, the super crip image of Unlimited two years before, it was me jumping on the super but just also that things change, and I keep changing, and I keep going, ah, oh, I don't, I wouldn't say that now, or I wouldn't do that now, you know, and I was then in a place where I was like, but also I was looking at the images, every image I had to look at, I was like, what does this say about a disabled person? What does this say about a woman? I had to look at every image and think about it from that perspective of like, yeah. okay, does, does Jess look more dominant than me in that image? Or am I more dominant? And how does that read? And, and I remember like Jess came back to me the next day and he was like, it really never struck me, like the amount that you're having, like, because he couldn't understand at the time quite why I was so upset by it and so stressed at that. But afterwards, that's what I love working about Je with Jess. Like, he doesn't just, it doesn't, he thinks, but he he takes it in and he processes it and he tries to understand what's going on and to, and to support it. But really, he was like, wow, yeah, I never realised that you're having to really do all that work. Like, that even just when a photograph goes out or a Twitter feed goes out mm. or an Instagram goes out, like, it's not flippant to me. Like, yeah. I worry about those things and partly I worry myself into then not <laughs> not doing it. But just that, I remember, has stayed in my head as quite a vivid example of, like... Um, yeah, it's interesting because there's not that much of that jumping movement in that show either, really. No, there's it's like one scene. It's not a huge part of it, really, is it, in that <laughs> show, scene. but I can see why all the promoters would want, mm. <laughs> want that image. It's a dance piece. Yeah. You know, they want that, you know, and that's what they think dance is. Mm. It's jumping, it looks athletic, mm. you know. Um, and so, yeah, those things, like, how do you not miss... How do you not perpetuate that? You know, and then when we, we that image, the jumping, we, we used that image in Germany because it felt like, again, like where the where things were at, that was an image that would get more people and it would encourage more people to come. Yeah. And where they were at in the debate, they still needed that as yeah. their image to kind of just provoke a little bit more. Um, even though, you know, Berlin, you know, actually Berlin quite likes its very sort of, 
Oh, maybe we didn't use it. May, no, we used that. Sorry, that's not true. We used the simple just sitting there photos for Berlin because they <laughs> like that. Yeah. It was for America. So we also had it in America because Jess is American and he had funding from there. The jumping image was for America. Right, okay, that's really interesting. Um, so, it yeah. Was the spectacle. Yeah. If there ever there was one. Yeah, well, yeah, the, <clears throat> mod the modern dance aesthetic. <laughs> it's a bit of a double whammy for someone like you because you've got the... Um, you've got this responsibility in inverted commas to, to kind of be political as a as a disabled artist because it's like this, that's the expectation and then there's also the responsibility of you being an established disabled artist mm. it's like okay I've got to push the ladder down or whatever as well so it's really difficult you can't just be an artist I have nothing to complain about in the sense that you know I'm an artist that gets gets support to make, I get to, you know, I've been very fortunate to be able to pretty much always make what I wanted to make, mm. you know, and that's sadly a very privileged situation. Not yeah. more, you know, very few of the, pretty much all the artists I know, very, very few of them ever are in that position. Um, I don't, you know, I, yeah, I don't entirely know what it is that makes people keep taking a risk on me, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, but then yeah, that comes with Is it you know people literally put money in the pot. Then that's well. a big that becomes you know for me that when it's public money as well, that's a that's a huge responsibility mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think, and and I don't take it lightly. Yeah, but I also am not going to sit here and complain about it because I know that I yeah I'm in an incredibly fortunate position where I have you know I have people I have a producer. You know, and that's also a sort of self-perpetuating situation in that I I have a producer and I have a brilliant producer in Nadia Diaz and, and that because I'm fortunate to have her, she she generates support for me. She cultivates, like, actually, I want this person to, to know about your work. I think they are, you know, and so... Not, not only do I have Luke being able to have these sorts of dramaturgical sort of long term, but I have Nadia that works from that perspective in terms of going, actually, I, I think you should have some sort of residency thing here and I'm going to find a, I'm going to make sure that these people become aware of you. And I'm not I'm not having to do it all myself, which most, you know, most of my colleagues I'm, I'm very aware are. Yeah. So... Yeah. There's also that that you know she, her savvy and her support and her care of the work that I make, also makes it possible to keep making work. Do you think people have a sense of, is there something not quintessential, but is there something that you could say is always there in a Claire Cunningham show that kind of runs through? I'd like to think that I try to bring quite a level of honesty into a room. Um, and I think, yeah, quite often, with the exception of Give Me a Reason to Live, all the work I make usually has has a has a a thread of humour running through it. There's always usually some sort of humour in it and quite dark humour. Yeah. I think quite often it's often a bit about sort of puncturing moments and sort of being will I think you know being willing to sort of acknowledge the emotion or the sentiment and puncture it but but not destroy it I think is something that I try to do um 
Yeah. Yeah. And so I think hopefully those things are quite often you, things that cross. In my opinion, you work across art forms for a dance artist in a way that a lot of people in contemporary dance don't. Mm. So there's there's usually quite a strong narrative in your work, where yeah. there often isn't in yeah. Yeah, contemporary yeah. dance work. Um, you seem to work with the music. You know, you work often with a composer yeah. rather than to existing music, yeah. for example. There's often, I would almost say, a, some relationship to kind of live art in an element to some of your performances. Mm. That's just from an outside perspective. Yeah, I think certainly uh, my my relationship with time, I think, in is somewhere in which maybe that relationship with live art cultivated, you know, of like be, when I began to when I began to go and watch work that kind of falls under live art, um, beginning to really appreciate that challenging of conventional ways of working in time as well, and then beginning to understand, well, actually also meeting Carrie Sandal and being introduced to the concept of crip time and really embracing that and going, oh, yeah, actually... Yeah, this lived experience of disability changes our relationship to to time, and again, how that comes back to values. You know, like how do you how do you bring like I'm interested in how you bring that into a room, and I think that's something I'm interested in, particularly in in disabled artists, how we bring our worlds on stage. You know, that it's this thing of like we bring our relationship to time to space and to other people and objects we bring that's what we bring on stage it doesn't stop at the wings like we don't get to the wings and then suddenly you know we can you know we don't look where we're going or we we can see (laughs) where we didn't see before you know it's like that's the thing that I'm that's what I think is really interesting to embrace in the work and that's why I'm interested in working with disabled artists is like how does it how does those lived experiences of relationship to energy you know and that we're not going to make something that's like super fast and pumping for like 50 minutes it's like you know I'm lucky if I can go for two and a half minutes at anything remotely high speed I don't have stamina like that so I'm not going to make a work like that, but how do I bring an audience in to something that might not move quickly, but can still hold people? And how, you know, I'm, those things, I think that's where I get interested in how the lived experience of disability comes on stage of bringing people who are maybe normative bodied people used to working in or seeing or processing the world at particular speeds how those things changed or how the layout of a space might be different because of access or, you know, like that I would create spaces where I navigate things on the ground because that's that's something that's very specific to my physicality and the way that I look at the world. So I shape the room because of that, you know. Mm, yeah. um, and how... That's what I'm kind of. Ex- that's what excites me about disabled artists, like you know, and particularly, bring, uh, you know, coming into something like dance, like 
how how that gets shaken up more. That it's not simply about how the body moves, it's about the time and the space around that body and how it engages with other bodies. That's where the choreography for me is and the aesthetics that come from those lived experiences. Visit greyeye.org and disabilityarts.online for further details on productions, events, interviews, opinions, reviews and learning opportunities.